It's good to be with you. As we were worshipping, I just wanted, I wanted to dance. You know. The truth is, you know, I used to make fun of worship when I was a young man. I used to make up songs to Christian hymns. You know, one of my favourite ones to make up words to was uh, the Lord of the Dance. Uh, because I was bored in assemblies, you know. And now look at this, look what the Lord does, you know. <laughs> Honestly. He's changed my lament into a whirling dance. He's ripped up my sad black morning band. He's clothed me with joy, put a song in my, uh, filled my heart with song. I can't stop drinking the wine so strong. <laughs> the wine is alive. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Sorry. I won't. I won't torment you, but you know, I can't not dance now because I've tasted and seen that God is good. Yeah. Would that everybody could taste and know the goodness of God, really. And that invitation that we've had tonight, you know, the open door, it, I, I'm in danger of getting, forgetting what I wanted to speak about, but I just... Now, there's a, God's passion for you is so great. Honestly. He's so gracious, religion will crush it. But God's love for you is higher than the heavens are above the earth. That's a long way. God loves to do more than we expect. Yeah? Super abundantly above and beyond all that we might think or imagine, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. Yeah? Yes. So when his disciples say, Jesus... Teach us how to talk to God. We love the way that you talk to God. It's like, wow, you're close, you know. I want to talk to God like that in Luke chapter 11. Jesus says, okay, you want to talk to God like that? Say this prayer, our Father who art in heaven. You know, you know the prayer. You know the prayer. And then he says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be open to you. That's a journey of intimacy. Anybody can ask, and they'll receive. Those who search, find. But God is waiting for people to go through the open door, to come into his presence, to dwell with him in holy communion now, to enter into life now, not when we die. Religion makes it all about what happens in the next life. Actually, Christ came to bring us abundant life now. Amen. That we may live in it now. That's the good news. Forget about the future. That will look after itself. We want to live in the joy of God now. The power of God now. The peace of God now. The church has forgotten the good news. We put it so, we kicked it so far off into the long grass, you know, we've lost it. Sorry, I'm getting a bit carried away. But, but you see, they say, Jesus, talk, teach us to talk to God like you talk to him. Because I love the way you talk to him. You know, just, you seem so close. But Jesus goes further than that. Because at the end of Luke, well, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, you know, ask and you receive, blah, 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 blah. He says, for your Father in heaven loves to give gifts, gifts, even if you know your parents, though you're in comparison evil, you know, you like to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? In other words, 
I'm not going to show you how to talk to God. I'm going to show you how to live with him. How to dwell with him. In intimate, holy communion. To enter into new life. To new creation. Now. That's the invitation we've been hearing tonight. Honestly. It's exciting. Isn't it? But religion will crush us. Honestly, it will crush us. Because you'll never be good enough. You'll never read your Bible enough. You'll never pray enough. You'll never deserve it. And therefore you won't enter into it. If you're religious, you have to be a man or woman of grace. Outrageous grace. Scandalous grace. <laughs> you know, uh, I was at the Pioneer Leaders Conference this year, and something stuck with me, and I want to kick off with this, uh, because uh, it really hit me, and I felt it was a message, not just for that morning, but for now, for the season, for the church. And uh, it was a guy called Alan Hirsch speaking, who lives, I think, in Australia. Well, you might have read his books. He's, he's, if, you, if you want interesting reading, his books are fantastic. But what he said was this. He said, uh, I, got, I had some slides, but I didn't arrive in time to bring them. But he said, uh, the seed of the oak tree is in the acorn. Everything to make that oak tree happen is in the acorn. The seed of the forest is in the oak tree. And then he said, the seed of a church is in you. The seed of a, a movement is in your church. He said, the trouble is, we've dimmed expectations of one another, and we need to lift them. Ah... <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, we need to prophesy to every person in our churches. Every person that we minister to, every person that we are seeking to disciple, every person that's in our small group, every, every person who, the moment they become a Christian, prophesy over them and tell them, you're going to plant a church one day. Because the seed of the church is in the individual believer. It's normal. It's natural. It's not unnatural. It's not the, the exception. It should be the norm. We just lost it. We don't believe it. When I became a Christian, I didn't know anything. Nothing. And yet I entered into grace. I entered into grace. And uh, I'll, say, I'll say a little bit about that in a minute. You see, just, will you just elbow the person next to you in case they've fallen asleep? Because, and look them in the eye and tell them, you're going to plant a church one day. Go on, prophesy it like you mean it. (laughs) 
Prophesy it like you mean it. Come on, I want to see that. You're going to plant a church one day. And I, I, don't mean, I don't mean a Sarum centre necessarily, although you could. But what I mean is a thriving, healthy community of growing believers. A family that's gathered around you, around your home, your hearth, your table, your coffee mugs, where people are being fed from the word of God and growing in their relationship with Jesus. And they're excited about what their God is doing. That's church. If we all did that, we wouldn't need Sarum centres, honestly. I love the church, by the way. But do you know what I mean? And so, that's a nice thing to say and to, you know, to joke about. But do you believe it? You see, you'll go out totally unchanged if you don't believe it. But if you believe it, it's dynamite. If you believe God's speaking to you tonight, it's dynamite. Because what it means is you're going to go out and look to do that. And you know you can't do it on your own, but you'll look for opportunities. And you'll embrace every moment with the expectation that God might do more than I might see or imagine or expect. Yeah? But if you're going to do it, okay, let me, I just think, personally, this is only me, okay, so you, you know, everyone, take it if you like it, if you don't, just leave it on the side. But if you're going to do that, I think you need two things. I think you're going to need grace and repentance. And let me explain what I mean. Because I, I uh, want to read a little bit from Luke chapter 24. I am a man of the word. I do love the Bible. I think it's totally abused lots of the time. Mind you, people accuse me of it as well. So, you know, what can I say? Look, just a little bit from the road to, to Emmaus. Now, behold, two of them were traveling from verse 13 that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. A short walk. Mind you, on a day like today, and the weather there is pretty hot. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Are there any restrained eyes here tonight? Covered with shades. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to the death and crucified him. And we, sorry, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company arrived at the tomb early and astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they'd also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What about those guys traveling on the road to Emmaus? The things they'd witnessed, the miracles they'd seen, the glory, the joy, the people singing Hosanna, crowds following Jesus. This is the kingdom come. And yet, he was crucified. Nailed to a cross. All their dreams were shattered. All their hopes had ended. Everything seemed like it had gone south. It was wasted. All that effort, all, that, all those dreams, all those hopes, just gone, vanished. What were they thinking? Why were they on the road to Emmaus at that time of night? What was going on? With them, do you think? <laughs> eh? You've got to ask yourself questions, haven't you, when you read the Bible? Because they're real people. I tell you what, if you can never imagine yourself in the story, you're not reading it right. Honestly. Ordinary people like you and me. So what are they thinking? It's over. Sorry? It's over. It's over. Everything's gone. They're running. They're scared. What's going to happen now? Yeah, that's true. But they were scared. They thought he was the Messiah, the one who was going to bring redemption for Israel the one that was going to deliver them from the Romans. All, everything was just gone. They were dejected, hopeless, without hope, running scared, in case maybe they get arrested for being part of the troublemakers. And even when some women, you can hear the tone of the voice, some women came and reported, you know, the tomb was empty, even then, when they saw angels telling them that he'd risen, they were running scared. What did they deserve, those disciples? Peter entered the tomb with them, and she came back and told Peter. She did. And then Peter came back and said, yes, and that he was looking for the gardener. And it wasn't the gardener, it was Jesus. <laughs> that Mary Magdalene, yeah. So... So what? What's going on? What did they deserve? What did they deserve? 
Were they filled with faith? No, they weren't. <laughs> oh, no, they weren't. Oh, no, they weren't. <laughs> Were they stepping out in courage? No. Did they have a lot of faith? No. It was all gone. It was all ended. Yeah, they probably still had their faith in God, but, you know, they were probably still, they're probably questioning that a bit. What did they deserve? Nothing. You might want to come along and slap them. You know? <laughs> it's like the, uh, the guys, when they go through, they, they get delivered out of Egypt. They see all those mighty miracles <laughs> delivering the, the people out of Egypt, sustained through the wilderness. And when they get to the promised land, they say, well, I don't fancy that. <laughs> what? Have you been reading the same story as me? But we're all the same. We're all the same. They come to the end of themselves and Jesus does not give up on them. Jesus chases them down the road to Emmaus. He's always surprising us. And he surprised them that day too. He turns up to reach them in their lostness. To, to reach them in their despair and in their hopelessness. He turns up. I tell you, some of you tonight, maybe with all the stuff that's gone in the last few years, are feeling pretty hopeless. Feeling pretty lost. Feeling like maybe the things you've been working for haven't worked out maybe the way you might have liked them to work out. Let's be honest. Some of us have been in this game a while now. <laughs> but Jesus is coming. To put fire in our bellies. He's coming to put fire in our bellies. Not to tear us off a strip for failing. Not to slap us for getting it wrong. But to strengthen us. The grace of God. See, they experienced grace, not judgment, for where they were at. Some of us need to hear that tonight. God is coming with grace for you. And it could mean that some of you have lost everything in the pandemic. It could be that some of you have faced uh, tremendous loss in the last few years. And, and looking at church, you face even more loss because we're not doing the things we thought we might do. But God is the God of resurrection. God is the God of resurrection. And he's coming to resurrect things. To resurrect hopes, to resurrect dreams. To lift broken hearts. To rip off sad black mourning bands. To change our lament into a whirling dance. To clothe us with joy. Fill our hearts with song. If only we'll drink the wine that's so strong, Jesus Christ. You see, they were bound up, really, by their culture. Because they had a certain idea of what the Messiah was going to be, who he was going to be, and what he was going to do. But they were wrong, just as, as simple as that. 
That's what I mean. They needed to repent. They needed to think it through again. That's all repent means. Think it through. Change your mind. They had a view of the Messiah as being some kind of warlike God who was going to come through and bring uh, redemption to Israel. That's not the kind of Messiah that Jesus was. He was the lamb who came to lay down his life. We all want the roaring lion. We've been singing about him tonight. Everybody wants the roaring lion that will come in and quickly bring a swift end. But that's not the way that God does it. God roars most loudly when his people lay down their lives. Eek. Anyway, they needed to repent. They needed to think it through again. And beginning with Moses and with all the scriptures, Jesus went through everything explaining why the Messiah had to die. You know, this is not just, uh, for me, this is not just a nice message. This is my experience. My experience. I've experienced grace. I told you I experienced grace when I first became a Christian. I, 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 you know, I love the word. I couldn't get enough of it. I was reading it whenever I could. I used to read it during my lunchtime. I used to read it at night before going to bed, when I got up in the morning. And I was reading it one lunchtime in the car park. And a guy came and disturbed me. I wasn't very happy about that. But he came and disturbed me and said, is that the Bible you're reading? I said, yes. He said, can I read it with you, please? <laughs> really? <laughs> Didn't expect that. Oh, yeah, sure. Why don't, why don't we do it on a Thursday lunchtime? We'll read Bible once, once a week for an hour together. He said, yeah, that'd be great. So we started to do that. After a few weeks... Uh, I was coming back into the office after being down with him reading one Thursday lunchtime, and an Irish lady I was working with, she said, what are you doing Thursday lunchtimes? <laughs> I said, uh, we're reading the Bible. She said, get out of here. <laughs> I thought you were taking drugs. <laughs> you always come back so full of joy. Yeah, you changed my lament into a whirling <laughs> dance. And uh, I said, well, no, we're reading the Bible. She said, get out of here. I said, if you don't believe me, come, come down and you'll see. So next week, she comes down. We need a bigger room. The car's not big enough. You know, we could read in the car. Now we need a room. So she comes down. She buys herself a Bible. She gets saved. She was a Catholic. She put off by religion in her early days. But reading the Bible with people who didn't really know it very well, she met Jesus. It was grace. You know, God had grace for us. I saw people saved. I saw people, uh, backslidden Christians, come back to faith. It was a great time, just from reading the Bible. Some of us need to start reading our Bibles and inviting other people to read them with us if we're going to plant churches and see the grace of God that might come the grace of God that might come. You know, uh, that lady, though, that, she was living with a, a man, and uh, she'd, been, she'd been his partner for five years. And before she gave her life to Jesus, she said to me, uh, Colin, if I, give, if I was to become a Christian, would God tell me to leave my partner? That's a tough one. 
And do you know what? I think, I think the Holy Spirit spoke to me because I had no idea what to say, really. But I said to her, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a great answer. <laughs> I don't know. I said, uh, but if you want my opinion, <laughs> I think, well, you're virtually married already. But what I do know is, if you give your life to Christ, he will speak to you and he will let you know what to do. The scary thing was, when she got saved, which I wasn't very happy about, uh, when she got saved, she came bubbling, bouncing into work, a bit like Tigger, and she said, you know, Colin, I've become a Christian, that's fantastic, it's the most joyful thing I've ever experienced, and I don't care now if God asked me to leave my partner. I think, whoa! And, but they got married, which was a good, end, good ending. A good ending. That's a great ending. They've got four kids. And they're, they're going on with, with Jesus. The, the, the husband's still not saved yet, but you know. That's a great story, isn't it? It's grace, isn't it? It's just grace. But we need to repent as well. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we foster teenagers, uh, my wife and I, and uh, we, we, we love it. It's my wife's calling. I just help her in it. She's amazing. And... Uh, one of the, another foster carer invited me and my son to go and play football with his foster sons. Um, so we went and played football. And afterwards, he said, will you come back for tea and cake? So we said, yes. And he always likes to talk theology with me because I rile him up a bit. I say things a bit outrageous. And he goes to a more conservative church than me. So anyway, he's there and he's asking me questions. And then suddenly, somehow or other, the cross comes up. And uh, I said to him, do you understand the cross? Do you know why Jesus had to die? He said, yeah, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the blood of the lamb. I'm washed clean by the blood. And uh, he got all religious. And I thought, yeah, th- that's maybe true. But have you ever thought about trying to explain it in a way which is not religious? So I said to him, look, from my perspective, Jesus had to die not as a kind of blood sacrifice, but actually he had to die in order to show us, to prove to us that death was nothing to be scared of. Because I tell you, if you're not scared of death, you're totally free from control of the enemy. Totally free of control of the enemy. The Romans couldn't control the church because the church was not scared of dying. The church overcame Rome because they were not scared of dying. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death, if you want the, the verse in Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11. But I said, uh, Jesus had to go through the very worst that the world could throw at us. Rejection, shame, humiliation, pain, torture, betrayal, death, agonizing, slow, painful, public, humiliating death. Trusting the Father to show us that that we could do the same, no matter what the world does to us. Then we're really free. We're dangerous people. Dangerous people. Then, all of a sudden, his wife, who's been playing with the kids, she she suddenly perks up. She She says, I've never heard it explained that way before. She says, can we go to his church? Now she, it turns out, is not a Christian. Hello? (laughs) All I'm saying is, we need to repent. If we're going to plant churches, if we're going to see 
life released in our community. We need to repent, we need to think through how we're going to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ for today. Not, as, as Tom Wright says, he, Tom Wright's beautiful, he says we've, we've got to stop answering 16th century questions with 19th century answers. We need to, we need to engage 21st century culture and, and use 21st century language if we're going to do these things. So anyway, that's, a, that's a, my preach over. But you're going to plant a church one day. If you believe that? Come on. You're going to plant a church one day. If you walk in outrageous, scandalous grace, you receive things that you know you could never earn in a million years. What's your name? Yes, you. Sorry? Serena. I've never heard that name before. Fantastic. What does it mean? <laughs> There's only one Serena. But Serena, that's the, that's the key for you. The enemy will always keep you small unless you can plug into outrageous, scandalous grace and know that, the, that God's going to treat you so much better than you deserve. Not only you, but others that come into your orbit. You know, you have huge amounts of grace from Father to give away huge amounts of grace to give away. He gives you that permission to give away grace by the bucket load, liberally, without finding fault. I tell you, Marina, it's the most powerful thing. When you give away grace, people think you're on drugs. <laughs> because you, there will be a light in your eyes and a spring in your step. You will know intimacy with your God. And it will be contagious. Contagious. And I, you may have already walked in that, Serena, I don't know, but I just feel like God wants to encourage you to be bolder in asking for more grace, in walking in more grace, and to just tell the enemy to get, the, get out of here. When he starts pin, pointing the finger at you, what about that? What about this? Reminding you of all the things that you can't do or don't do or won't do. Tell him, just, just leave me the hook. God said, I've got grace. Grace. Noah. Noah found grace, it says in Genesis chapter 6, in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, you find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Things are going to open up for you that wouldn't open up for other people. You're going to get saved through things that other people wouldn't get saved through. grace is towards you, Noah. Honestly, I, I wish I could, I really wish I could download my experience of, my, of God's kindness to you. But I, I know, I even as I say that, the Holy Spirit says, Colin, you don't need to, because I'm going to lead him on a journey of experiencing my kindness. You're going to see kindness in the financial side of things. You're going to see kindness in healing. You're going to see kindness in the prophetic you can see kindness almost in anything you want to see because the grace of God is towards you, Noah. Yeah? Just be bold. Just be bold and love people. You know, love is always the key. You know, if you, if you want more prayers answered, read John 15. It says it twice in that chapter and once in chapter 13. You, you can ask whatever you want and the Lord will do it. But the key is the new command, love one another. <laughs> love one another. You find more grace when you love one another.
you know, what's your name? Yeah, you. Oh, Ewan. Ewan. Yeah. Ewan, I, I just know, Ewan, that uh, if you want it, okay, this repentance thing, this new language is going to be important for you. I see you uh, getting revelations from the Father's heart and, and a new language to communicate to people of a new generation. You've got to experience it yourself and then give it away. You can only give away what you've experienced. You can't give away stuff you make up, not even if it's in the Bible, honestly. But when you've experienced it, you can give it away. God's heart for you, you, is that you would experience his kindness so powerfully. It will make you cry, and that's okay. I cry a lot. <laughs> because God wants you to know that he's with you. But he's, I see him coming on you by his spirit to, to give you new language to communicate the gospel. The good news. Not bad news. Stuff that you'd be proud to shout from the rooftops. Not stuff that makes you cringe and, and whisper because you're not really that keen on it yourself. But thoroughly good news. It's there for you to dig out like treasure, like the pearl of great price. If you want it. It's only if you want it. No one's going to force it on you. It's there for you if you want it. It's an open door. That's the thing for tonight. It's the open door, isn't it? What's your name, the lady with the white cardigan? Sorry? Rose. What a fantastic name. <laughs> I love roses. <laughs> but Rose, I just love your sparkly shoes. Yeah. I've, I've, got a thing, I've got a thing for shoes, you know. Some of you will know. My crocodile ones and my snakeskin ones are in the car. Yeah. So, uh, they're my dancing shoes, my good news shoes. But, you know, uh, there's, that, there's that verse, isn't it? You know, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of she who brings good news. And God says to you, uh, you've got beautiful feet, Rose. Got beautiful feet. Got beautiful feet. And uh, I just see him gently taking you by the hand and leading you on the most wild adventures. Because you love people. You genuinely love people. And you genuinely want to give them good news. And so I see a grace, a grace on you, Rose. You know, it says, doesn't it, in 2 Corinthians that we, we're the aroma of Christ? Yeah. You're the aroma of Christ, Rose. It's in your name. You're the, the aroma of Christ. People are going to smell Jesus from hanging around you. And that's a great thing. Just let your love be on display. Jesus says, you know, don't hide it. Don't hide your light under a bucket. But actually, just be proud of Jesus. Be proud of who you are in Christ and love people. And you're going to lead people to Jesus because you have beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Amen? Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh. So we're going to plant churches, yeah? <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? <laughs> Changes lament into a whirling dance, Lord Jesus.
What's your name? Sorry? Big Z. Big Z. <laughs> Is that your real name? Big Z. <laughs> Simon. Big Z's fine. <laughs> but the invitation's there for you too, Big Z. It's an open door. It's an open door. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And uh, to live in communion with God, to live in the presence of God, to live in the presence of the most wonderful, the most gracious, the most kind, the most tender person is the best place to be all the time. Why would you want to be anywhere else? That invitation's there for you, Big Z. And it's, in, it's there for you to share. If you intentionally walk in the presence of Jesus, not just on a Sunday, not just at a meeting like this, but if you intentionally walk every moment, every day in the presence of the kindest, most wonderful person who's ever lived, your life will be totally transformed. Surprising things are going to happen around you if you believe that. With God, all things are possible. You can plant churches. You can see the sick healed. You know, I was uh, on a way on a... Uh, let me tell you just one more story, and then we'll just pray. I was away on a, a golf... My new church. They, they do golf weekends as a kind of um, evangelism. <laughs> That's the first for me. <laughs> but, you know, that was great. So I got to play a bit of golf. And then uh, we were for a whole weekend away down in Devon. But uh, on the, that was on, went from Friday to Sunday. But on Friday... Played once on Friday, and Saturday morning, one of the guys got up and he couldn't walk. He's in so much agony, so much agony, he could not walk. And so I just went over, you know, be healed in the name of Jesus, you know, because that's what you do when you're in the presence of someone who you know loves to heal. Yeah. You know, it's not a big fanfare. You don't make a show. It's, I didn't do it in front of everybody. I did it quietly, you know, be healed in the name of Jesus. And uh, then we, I went off to play golf. That night, he says, comes back and says, we've been talking about that all day in our group. They've been gossiping about the kingdom <laughs> because he was healed. He was going to go home Saturday morning, but he played two more rounds of golf without any pain. He couldn't walk for, because of pain. So let's pray. If you, uh, if you uh, just need a resurrection moment, You need a resurrection moment. God is here. The God of resurrection. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. <laughs> you know, when I first heard that song sung, I was that sole survivor, and England were getting thrashed in the cricket, in the ashes. <laughs> and uh, up from the ashes, hope will arise. I laughed. Uh, I absolutely laughed. And that day, uh, Stokesy uh, held on with um, the bowler. I get his name now. Jack Leach, thank you. He, they held on for a stupendous 11th wicket or 10th wicket stand and, and they won the game and, and stuck with me ever since. 
But up from the ashes, hope will arise. It's the God of resurrection, the God of the impossible. You're not too old, you're not too young, you're not too smart, you're not too stupid. God is the God of the impossible. You're not too rich, you're not too poor. If you need resurrection moment tonight, God is here to breathe resurrection on you. To breathe fresh hope into you. Because he's a God of grace. Come on. Come on. If you need a resurrection moment, maybe you might want to stand and people will pray with you. Anybody need a resurrection moment? There's somebody at the back there. A couple of people at the back. You don't want to miss it up. I tell you, you don't want to miss it. If you, if you need it, you've got to stand because actually God is going to meet you. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know uh, why you've stood, Sarah, but God spoke to me uh, during the worship when you said, taste and see that God is good. You know, uh, I don't know how much you know of that. You're obviously leading the meeting, so you know a lot. But I know that God is going to lead you on to deeper levels of understanding his goodness. I tell you, your mascara is going to run on a continual basis. <laughs> yep. But that's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, this is something for you. There's something for you in this season about discovering, expe- not discovering, experiencing the kindness of God. So I've experienced so much kindness, Sarah, and I just know that you're going to experience huge amounts of kindness from God in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of ways, to make the, the mascara run, to bring joy to you, to bring joy to your family, but also uh, to bring joy to others and to help others not taste and see that he is good. Not just as a, something to say in this meeting, but as a lived-out experience. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we just want to pray. If you're near these guys, will you please lay a hand on them and bless them and pray with them for resurrection. We have a resurrection God. Remember, the seed of the church is in each of us. If only we believe. If only we'll step into grace. If only we'll repent. Father, we want to pray for resurrection moments for these, for these guys. <clears throat> You're the God who does immeasurably more than all we ask, think, or imagine. Work your wonders, we pray, in their lives. Wonderful grace, Lord Jesus, we call down from heaven for those that have stood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, at the risk of being totally chaotic, If you really, if you felt your own heart stir about wanting to plant a church, in whatever that might mean, in a small way, reading the Bible with someone, gathering a group in your home, your car, going for a walk, whatever. Uh, but then if, if, that, if that spoke to you, if you felt the Holy Spirit nudging you about that and saying, wow, maybe that could be a possibility, why don't you stand as well? I want to pray for you. Because God is going to meet you 
and enable a new season of grace for it to happen. Thank you, Jesus. Cubalus on the Kindama Kindama. Don't worry. You're in. You're in. Cubalus on the Kindama 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 I'm glad you stood. Terry, Terry, isn't it? I'm glad you stood, Terry, because partner, a partnership, you know, is so strong. So strong. Just, uh, because partnerships are really strong. Mm. There's nothing that God can't do with a couple who love each other and who want to reach out with his love to those around them who want to help others taste and see that he is good. Only be, only be hospitable. Just be hospitable. Just keep inviting others into your orbit and God will do incredible things. Incredible things. Not limited by your own abilities. Even if they're great, <laughs> you might think I can do it, but you need grace to make it on fire. On fire. On fire. You know, those guys on a road to Emmaus, when they, Jesus had left, they said, did our hearts not burn? Did our hearts not burn as he talked with us on the road? Did our hearts not burn? Wrestle with the scriptures until your heart was burned. Wrestle with the scriptures. Find a language which makes your heart burn. Find a language which makes your heart burn. And then run with that. Run with that. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and teach you. He's our teacher. Only be bold and be brave and be loving. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to pray for all those who stood for, for planting church, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for the fire that's been lit in their bellies tonight. And I pray that fire grows, Lord Jesus, grows hotter and hotter and becomes uncontainable, uncontrollable and contagious, Lord Jesus. We need new churches, Lord Jesus. Thank you for those that have been planted in the spirit tonight those communities of faith gathered around your word, gathered around your presence, Lord Jesus, gathered around your love for us. Thank you. We, I bless them, Lord God. Let them see more favor and more grace than I experienced in those days at Concurrent, in those Bible studies at lunchtime. Father, let them see outrageous favor as they entertain, as they seek to read your word with others as they seek to gather people around the faith that they have, Lord Jesus. Bless their work, bless their efforts, bless their love, Lord Jesus. Bless their hospitality. Amen.